to the Web3 Prof Podcast. Good morning and good afternoon, everybody. I am here with uh, Matias Marquez, who is the CEO and co-founder of Ethos NFT. Thanks for being with me. Thrilled to be here. Are you? I am. I'm, I'm actually really happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm more excited even as we talk. We've been talking before that we started recording here. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, we had almost recorded a couple times. One time you were sick and the second time I can't remember what happened. So we finally made it. Um, we I've interviewed a couple people from Ethos. Um, and so you're kind of the third, but you're the most important guy on the list. So it's good to finally have you here. <laughs> so how did you get into crypto or web three or nfts or whatever whatever we call this nonsense we're talking about yeah here. for sure and, and i wouldn't say i'm the most important by far <laughs> but, um, i am uh, excited to be here and happy to share the story with you and and, and talk to, to you about all the things we like talking about so mm -hmm. um how did i get into web three so um i have a background of helping consumer brands adopt new technology and in my previous company we did that i think quite successfully um and i just fallen in love with blockchain and what the applications of blockchain could be. Mm -hmm. And I realized that um, this is the technology that consumer brands are going to need to adopt right. um, eventually because it is it, it provides unique benefits that otherwise weren't possible. It provides another layer of engagement with customers and these types of things. Um, we are admittedly very early. Um, and mm -hmm. I think it's probably similar to when like the internet first came out brands didn't realize initially that they needed a website. Um, eventually that proved to be true that they needed a website um, you could probably say the same thing for social media. When social media first came out, brands were thinking, why would I need this? And now obviously they need it. Um, I think that's the exact same you know, thing that's going to play out here with uh, Web3 and, and NFTs and digital assets. Is there, is there any value at this point in getting involved because it's so early? Like, is there a first mover advantage at this point? Or is it just kind of like, well, the technology will, it's like if you got into Friendster or MySpace or something, and then it, what was the point? Because it all became Facebook anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. But I, I will say this, that I think specifically brands too, I think they're seeing it kind of in real time now with TikTok. Mm. I think if you had asked a brand a year ago, is it like worth getting in this early? I think a lot of brands might have said, I don't know, we're thinking about it. And now they're everyone's like running there. And, and a lot of the people who were there first uh, did benefit a lot. But, uh, how, sorry, how do you tie that to TikTok? I think if you look at a, you know, traditional brands yeah. and their engagement with social media platforms, yeah. I think they were hesitant and reluctant a year ago to participate with right. TikTok and for whatever reason. And now they're realizing, oh, shoot, we should have been there. We need to be there now. And the ones that were more leaning into the future and being more innovative and participating earlier um, have been rewarded and they have had more engagement and lower cost of customer acquisition and all these great things that benefited from from being early so i think if you're a brand thinking of joining and participating now sure there's risks but like participating with tiktok a year ago or two years ago there's a disproportionate amount of eyeballs and buzz right. you're going to get okay Does that answer your question well i feel like I, it does i feel like i railroaded your introduction though <laughs> yeah yeah so like obviously really passionate about helping consumer brands adopt new technologies mm -hmm. that we think will create better relationships with their customers and provide them, you know, more uh, benefits. And um, how I got into Web3 was I realized that this is what blockchain can do for brands. And when I looked at um, how we could help, um, I knew that with my experience of helping consumer brands adopt new technologies, like it wasn't going to be the, the Bitcoin maxis or the mm. Ethereum maxis and, the, and people who were speculating on currencies and other things that were going to go authentically to brands to say, here's how you can benefit from this technology. And it, it like, it sounds a bit cheesy, but it felt like kind of like a calling, like, Hey, somebody has to help these consumer brands understand this stuff. 
somebody has to come in there with like pure intentions. And uh, I felt like, you know, I was in a position to do it and I felt like I needed to do it, especially, and this is going to sound a bit crazy, but like, maybe not crazy, but like I had, you know, I have a kid now and like, it's like, what do I want to be spending my time on? And I felt like this is a really important cause um, because um, I mean, you see it with when, when bad actors are participating in a space, it's not a great outcome. And I feel like if we have really great intentions and we're helping um, onboard a really important part of the, what will be this ecosystem, um, I think it'll be something that I'll be really proud to talk to my kid about. So what is it about <clears throat> the kind of crypto value system or the tenants of crypto that you think are so important that you'd want to pass it on to your kid? Are you talking about like decentralization or... Um, you know, pseudo anonymity. That is a hard word. We need to change that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what is it about this? Is it the provenance? Like, what is it that excites you that you're like, this holds value for society in the future? Yeah, like, I think the technologies that have changed our lives the most are often, they often start off very simple, mm. right? And I think that's like a key part of it. I think what gets me really excited about blockchain is that it's like the simplest thing. And I think the most important part of it is that it's transparent, right? So like, it's available for people to see. And anybody can look it up, yeah. right? So right away, just from that one benefit, you can cre you can create more equitable relationships, right? It's less likely somebody can kind of pull the rug on you if you can see what's happening publicly. Um, so the fact that the blockchain is transparent and you know you can't monkey with it um, provides an an opportunity for digital items to be recorded, owned, held, transferred. And then you can see, you know, the history and provenance of these things. So it's a bit kind of like you can get technical and get like, you know, into the weeds really quickly. But I think if a ledger exists that anybody can access without anybody interfering with it, um, we can create better relationships between lots of entities. But specifically in our case, we think there's a really great relationship that we can forge and, and develop for brands and their customers. Right. Okay. That's great. Uh, I think that's, that's really helpful. So uh, you ran a gift card company. I did. Tell us about that and how that, because you kind of said you had, you know, a tech company or whatever, but how did that get you into NFTs or draw you in? Yeah. 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 So like, um, a long time ago now, but I was a student at university. I had an idea um, around ha uh, helping consumer brands adopt digital gift cards. Um, and the idea was like brands like selling gift cards and they weren't really selling them on their website. They weren't really, um, they were just selling them in their physical stores and, and maybe through like th third party marketplaces like um, Loblaws or Shoppers or, or things like that. And for me, it was like, hey, people are going to, to their websites. They're going there for a bunch of reasons to learn about the brand, to maybe buy their products or whatever, but like you're not selling their, you're not selling your gift cards there. So um, we had developed, so, so from that kind of idea of, Hey, consumer brands need to be offering their customers gift cards online and digitally. Uh, we built a platform that would help brands do exactly that. Mm. So we created this technology to help brands issue and sell gift cards online digitally. And we ended up getting big, big brands to adopt our technology and use it. Brands the size of like Walmart and Whole Foods and, and, and that type of size of, of brands. So through that journey, which we which ended up being a really successful outcome. And um, did you sell it? We did. Yeah. So we sold it to a, a large, uh, the, the large leading you know provider in that space. Um, and uh, yeah, it was like a really great story. But at the end, we I realized like what did I learn from this? And I had learned that I could help consumer brands adopt new technology. Because that's actually a really tough thing to do um, because you have to 
go in it with like with one really good intentions and two with a really long term focus. Yeah. Um, so that history of helping consumer brands adopt digital gift cards um, really leaned into like for me it was like hey I think I'm really well positioned here to help brands adopt this new thing which is digital assets um, and uh, I think uh, I think that's why I'm so like you know keen on on, on helping here because I, th- I think I can. So when we look at um, an NFT, what when you are at like summer parties or Christmas parties and people are like, so what is an NFT? <laughs> like, what is this nonsense? You know what I mean? Uh, how do you, how do you explain that to the common man? So I'll tell you a funny story. So um, my wife's family is from Campbell river and I'm like really close to their dad and her dad's like a mechanic. Right. And like, <laughs> right? and like, you know, I, um, I had explained to him like the gift card company, right? Like digital yeah. gift cards. And then recently he was like, so tell me about this new thing. And I go, Mark, not even going to try. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, you know, jokes aside, um, it is early and it is complex. And I, I, I think it's probably similar to trying to explain the internet back when the internet was like not adopted yet. Right. And it was in the, its early stage. Um, what do I tell people at dinner parties or, or whatever, when we're talking about what, what are digital assets, what are NFTs? And I think the easiest way to actually describe it is, is this. Um, and Cause I think people follow me on this. Like, will we spend more time in the future in digital environments than we spend today? I think a lot of people go, I can get there. Yeah. I think we'll spend more time in digital environments. I think our kids will spend more time in digital environments. So that's like one thing I think a lot of people will like leap with you on. Another thing I think people will leap with you on is will those digital environments become more immersive? I think it's like not a hard jump to make there. Yeah. So if you jump to a future where we're spending more time in digital environments, those digital environments are more immersive. Um, I think it's not a crazy leap to make at that point that we will really want to own digital things because yeah. where we humans spend our time, we like to have some sovereignty. We like to have ownership of things. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy right now that we like spend time in digital worlds, even if we're on Instagram, even if we're on like Zoom or whatever. Um, and we spend time in physical worlds. In the physical worlds, we own things. In the digital worlds, we don't own things. Yeah. So what NFTs and digital assets, um, and I say NFTs and digital assets because we like to call them digital assets, um, what they are is ownership in those digital worlds, right? So you can own digital things for the first time. And I know that initially sounds kind of crazy, but I'm telling you, it's not. When we spend a lot of our time in digital worlds, we are going to want to truly own things in those digital worlds. Um, and those, you know, and uh, I think digital assets are, are key uh, thing that's going to be a part of our future. Well, I think when you even think about the the term NFT to digital asset, I mean, Nike came out with is it dot swoosh? Was that the thing that they that they, they launched did it through Artifact? Yeah, which they had bought. Yeah, so you know, and there wasn't any language when they launched that about NFTs or blockchain right. or anything like that, right? It was fully just kind of consumer based um, uh, information that most people can understand. They've removed the that 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 from it and and is that important for people to get on board and into into web3 absolutely like um i that's very intentional on their part i think mm-hmm. um we are, are you know we try to use the word digital assets because i, I think nfts are like for, for it's kind of like too much of a technical term for, for something yeah um something that I, I truly believe and I, I say all the time is when when we get to a point where the average consumer is interacting with an nft or a digital asset um, and they're unaware that they are, is when we'll have received, we've gotten to a really important place right. in this whole thing. And and I think that's what Nike's trying to do. That's what we're trying to do, where we're trying to make this so simple and easy to use that you don't understand. It's kind of like, you know, when you're using your computer 
it's like, do you really need to know like how the ones and zeros are working? Mm-hmm. Right. There's ones and zeros happening, but you don't need to know. Yeah. Um, I certainly don't think about it. That's for right? sure. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us about some examples? Um, and, and maybe I just kind of led into this with Nike, but examples of consumer brands using digital assets uh, in a meaningful way where there's like some adoption and some success and, you know, people are into it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good examples. Right. And, um, it's early though. Right. So I, I would say a lot of the examples, especially like, you know, earlier this year, I think that like rightfully so like, Hey, let's, let's test out, let's see what it's going to look like. It's very experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say the first kind of cohort of examples have been kind of experimental, uh, with brands that like, like to lead to, to do something, um, that, can kind of like sparks a reaction from their audience. I think mm-hmm. uh, Nike's been good at that. Adidas has done some, uh, did a cool thing. Uh, the Gap did a, a cool program where half of the, the proceeds went to a charity, but the participants helped design a new sweater. Mm. The NFT was the sweater. And then the NFT uh, also got you access to the sweater. Um, I think those are really great examples. I, I, I would categorize all those examples, however, as like a brand experimenting. Mm. Um, and, and that is, I, I think, in hindsight, really like a really smart way to, to look at this. Like you have this new technology, there's lots of really um, like laid out use cases on how in the future this will be really important. Um, so what a, 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 an appropriate reaction I think would be like, hey, let's see, let's take the temperature from our customers, so let's experiment with something. Um, so a lot of the examples I would categorize into that bucket. Um, what's interesting is as the space is developing, we're starting to move away a little bit from experimental use cases and we're starting to move to more like really pointed and really practical examples. And I think Starbucks is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, also Nike too, but uh, Starbucks's program um, where it's an enhancement and it's an additional layer of their loyalty program. I think that's really interesting. Um, it's very pointed. It's very clear that, Hey, our loyalty program will continue to operate the way it's operating, but Hey, now, as an digital additional feature to our loyalty program, we're going to have these digital assets that gain you extra, like you know, benefits in certain ways. I um, mean, and it's kind of gamesify it, but also gives you access to special things. Um, and what I think that ultimately creates is like another view into each of the customers, right? So, so if you look at a, a, a large loyalty program, um, the challenge with most loyalty programs today is they kind of like just broadly bucket customers in, in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And what NFTs do and digital assets do is now you're giving unique tokens to unique individuals for unique reasons. And then it kind of gives you this like better picture of the customer so you can then react individually to those customers. Um, this is just the next layer of customer loyalty. And Starbucks is a good example of that. So, kind of, yeah. But why do they need to do that? Why can't they just be like, oh, hey, um, we're going to, we're going to, uh, categorize you in these different areas and we're going to give you access to different stuff based on these things. Like what does any of that have to do with blockchain or NFTs? Like why should that, it seems like it just makes things more complex. Yeah, it's a great question. So there's an answer I would give today. And I think there's an answer I'd give in the future, but today I would say this, like if you work at one of these large consumer brands, what are the conversations that are happening? A lot of them have to be around like, how do we get the next customer? How do we acquire the next right. customer at a low cost? How do we talk to our target customer that may right now be Gen Z or millennial? Um, and that's part of the reason why we're talking about TikTok, right? I think a lot of these companies, their reaction to those questions are, let's go to them through TikTok. Um, so, so if you're one of these consumer brands and you're thinking, how do I get to my next customer at a lower customer cost? How do I attract a customer that's maybe younger, maybe a Gen Z? Um, like they like this technology, right? So, so you can agree with, like, and I use TikTok a lot as an example, you can agree with why they like TikTok yeah. or not. 
but they're starting to get that they need to be there. Right. You can agree whether digital assets make sense for you, or you can agree or or, or not. But you, the customer you want to acquire is into this stuff. And what's really interesting, and, and part of the answer of today is, if you move now, you're going to be able to get in front of them at a lower cost because others aren't. Right. Um. So so in in brand talk, this is like. CAC, right? This is low cost of customer acquisition. Mm. If you could do something, and we, we were talking about your, your son and his lemonade stand, mm. by your son offering a new payment type, he was able to acquire all these extra people. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared's son put a sign saying you could buy his lemonade with Bitcoin, yeah. and it got tons of impressions and tons of views. Why? Because others aren't doing that. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of people that are interested in this stuff. So um, just to kind of boil it down, though, if you're a brand today looking to attract new customers, be innovative, and also get into a customer base that maybe you're, you're you know you're trying to maybe it's, it's a very competitive way to do that um digital assets are great because it's a new way to interact with them um, and then the more of a long-term answer is around well providing transparency providing authenticity allowing them to see these transactions on the blockchain all this more technical stuff also supports um the thesis that there are things you'll be able to provide your customers that you otherwise wouldn't be able to do without blockchain. Right, okay. Yeah. Sorry to give you a big answer there. No, no, that's good, I like that. Yeah. I, I appreciate, because I, I think it's an important important thing to consider, like, is this just a gimmick? Is this just a marketing play? Or is there actually value in the technology of itself? Because, and it's not that there's not, there's not, you know, there's value in a marketing play. There's value in attracting <laughs> customers in a unique, creative, interesting way. But hopefully there's also value in the technology that goes beyond that. Because once then everybody does it, then, then the marketing piece goes away. And that's exactly. why I, there's two categories I look at this in. It's like, why do it today? And why do it at all? And why do it in the future? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And and there's a lot of good reasons on why I do it today because there is marketing value. But that isn't the reason to do this. The reason to do it is because there are reason, there are benefits that the blockchain unlocks for your customers that you otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. And I think, um, I think there's a lot of examples that we can kind of dig into, but I'll, I'll just give you a couple, right? So imagine... Um, Imagine your, 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 your wife buys an NFT for a brand that gives her special access and extra, extra, extra benefits and extra perks. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do that with a physical, traditional loyalty program. Mm-hmm. You could do that. What would the blockchain enable that otherwise wouldn't be able to do? Well, one thing they could do is you could give your, your, your wife pure, like, pure like, tr- proof and, and, and like, the ability to show that I am actually one of those members. That sounds like it's not that important, but imagine like um, a very prestigious loyalty club that you're a part of. You'd like to be able to prove that you are a part of that. And, and that transparency of the blockchain would allow your wife to actually prove and say, I am actually one of those members. Um, that's, that's a small example. Another example would be, let's say your wife's a part of that loyalty group and they get special access and special benefits. Um, and let's say that she follows this brand for a long time, for 20 years, okay? And in a traditional environment, when she's through that loyalty program, what's the off-ramp look like, mm. right? So the off-ramp would be kind of done and like I was there for the 20 years and now I'm kind of like doing something else, right? right? If it was an, a digital asset and she could then trade it and pass it down to your son or your daughter, yeah. the off-ramp's way better for her, mm. right? Because now she's either sold it and got some kind of monetary benefit from that patronage and that loyalty or she's like, you know, given it to somebody who's going to see value in it. Um, and if you ask the individual, in this case, the example would be your wife, she'd be a lot happier at the end of that journey, being able to 
kind of monetize or just benefit from the off ramp. Yeah. Because right now, like I, I use Air Canada as an example, like I'm an Air Canada, you know, uh, like in their loyalty program and fly a lot with them, which has been great. But by the time I'm done, it's like it's over, right? And it's yeah. not a beautiful kind of off ramp. So there's a lot of examples. We could t- talk more about them, but these are the things that you can kind of provide. And it's like, it really all comes down to enhanced loyalty and, and more benefits to the customer. And, and I think that's the direction we're going where, mm. We're valuing customers more and more and giving them better experiences and experiences that they make them happy. Um, and, and blockchain is an example of something that can help do that. I think another interesting perspective that I've heard is like, what about renting out your NFT, right? Like maybe you are, maybe you subscribe to Microsoft Office, but you don't need it every day and you rent it out for one day a week to somebody, or maybe you are part of kind of an exclusive club and, and you can't go to their next event. And so you could maybe monetize that and rent that out to somebody. Is that reasonable to see? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so two other reasons and like in the category of like, what can blockchain do that traditional, like, you know, non-blockchain programs, you know, can't do. Right. Um, if you had like your back to your wife's example, if she had that elite loyalty status, imagine if she could rent it for the week like she was going to go away for the weekend and there was like an event happening and she could say hey you know i'll give it to my friend for the weekend and yep. rent it rent lend it to her for two days um again like from the perspective of the user your wife in this case she'd love it she'd be like hey yeah I, i'm so happy to be a part of this loyalty program because the off-ramp's going to be great right during my my patronage i'm going to get all these special rewards and perks um when i'm like not using it i can lend it to somebody else Right. Um, another really good example uh, and another good reason on why blockchain would be this um, cross promotions and cross access. Um, so let, let's say your wife's part of this elite program in the traditional non blockchain world. Who knows this? She does. The brand knows it. Yeah. But nobody else knows it. Yeah. So we're at this nice you know, ho- hotel here. And um, if you're a member, like you don't think this hotel would want to give her a special rate knowing she's a part of that group. Right. Right. So like we can use the airline example again, but like if more people got to have access to who were the elite members in a, in a loyalty program, you could provide cross membership. Like Cactus Club could say, hey, for the people that are members here and here, Thursdays, half off drinks for you. Why would they do that? Because they know that the profile of this customer and this customer fits their customer perfect. Yeah. Right. And you can't do those cross promotions because in, in a non-blockchain open environment, only like Cactus ain't going to know who's a part of this loyalty program. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's fascinating. And that's also really helpful to understand like what are the, I guess, what are the use cases yeah. is fundamentally what we're talking about here. Okay. So the metaverse is a big thing we hear about and um, I don't, I'm not sure if it exists. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I don't think anybody really knows what it is yet. And maybe there's different levels of what the metaverse will be like. Um, but it seems like a lot of uh, some of the major brands that are engaging with conversations around the metaverse aren't engaging in conversations around blockchain. It's just like a video game we live in or something. I'm not, I'm not really sure. So how, how important is the blockchain aspect of this conversation? I think it's super important, right? So um, here's something that should freak people out. <laughs> when oh, you, I like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you look at the definition of the metaverse, that Microsoft has posted on their website, Facebook Meta has posted on their website. Um, you look at these big, big companies and they're like building the metaverse is what they're trying to do, right? If you look at their definition, none of them include blockchain in their definition. Mm. And that's a huge problem because we are all willing to agree that we'll spend more time in digital environments in the future. 
And if we're spending more time in digital environments in the future and the underlying pin and there's no, the underlying like technology doesn't include blockchain, we have a really big problem, right? Why? Well, if we end up like having to go into Meta's metaverse and there's no blockchain, then they're going to control everything. Right. And they're going to be able to keep you stuck in there and also remove you. Right. So if um, I was talking to a friend and he said that like his daughter lost her Roblox account and she was freaking out. Right. No, but seriously. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I bet uh, she was. exactly right. And um, here's the thing that's really unfair right now is you go into these uh, environments and you buy things, but then you don't get to mo take them with you elsewhere in right. digital worlds. And that's the big thing that the blockchain provides. So if we issue digital assets, we register them on the blockchain. The blockchain is this public ledger that nobody owns. Right and they're registered there, well now games and metaverses can actually pull them in. But what that enables is you to leave this one, go to this one, and still have your items. Right. And, and that's, that's the reason why these big companies don't have it listed, but that's also the reason why we are like fighting like heck here because we, don't, we, want, we want the future that will have more digital environments to include the blockchain. Because if it don't include the blockchain, then we're gonna end up in a world where you can, you're gonna spend all this money buying things and those things won't be transferable, and therefore you'll lose them. Right. Um, it, it's crazy. Like imagine we the clothing we had on right now, we only got to wear it in this room. It's like when we leave, it's gone. Right. <laughs> that's an interesting. That's an interesting yeah. perspective, right? I, I guess that's the that's the scary thing is like, well, you know, you put all this work into building something in a game, or you know, and you you earn all these points or assets, and then yeah, as you age out, you you know that game doesn't isn't cool for kids your age anymore or whatever you just walk away in the same way you walk away from a loyalty program it's, it's i guess it's the same concept really it's, it's the same thing and like we sh i think we're getting better optimizing for like the benefit of people and if you believe that if you think the world's going to get more efficient and we're going to optimize for the benefit of individuals then you're going to get quickly to the point that okay as we own things we're going to truly own them and we both to transfer them and take them with us mm. and, and and i have not heard a better way of doing that than the blockchain right, right? um there's no there's no you know le other leading idea that's like oh do it this way and you'll be able to own them your own and be able to transfer them right what makes the blockchain so special is that nobody owns it it's completely available to everybody therefore if you register digital assets and digital products on them then they're then therefore automatically transferable anywhere right okay yeah. that's that's great so we're here in Vancouver we're broadcasting right now from Paradox Hotel um, Vancouver seems to be some type of web3 hub or something um, certainly emerging as uh, what is it what why is that important to Vancouver um, and what does Vancouver as a city have to offer to to this technology yeah lots to talk to you about here um, I'm really optimistic about Vancouver and what this can mean for the city. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also really worried that we kind of like mess it up. Mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. L like, like here's what's happening. Really cool Web3 companies and technologies have been created in Vancouver. Like this is a fact. Dapper Labs is from here. Even like if you zoom out to Canada, Ethereum was created in, you know, mm -hmm. in Ontario. Like Canada's kind of kicking butt right now on like the inception of all this. CZ from Binance grew up here. Right, there you go. <laughs> I mean, it just never ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, we can talk about like why has um, Canada or Vancouver kind of like incubated and created a lot of this. And, and I had Lucy on um, on our uh, on our fireside chat series and she had an interesting perspective. And she said, I think it's the mountains. I think it's the fact that people aren't um, 
kind of like so day-to-day in their job and they have time to like think about new things and that's why mm. Vancouver and BC and the nature might actually be contributing to like you know great ideas um, so we can talk about like why are these things being kind of like sprouted here mm-hmm. um, the other thing we can talk about is like well if it is sprouting here um, is it just going to go to the US right because imagine if you know the Silicon Valley started here and then it blew up in California. I, I worry that that's what's going to happen, right? right? Because Canada is good at like, obviously like creating an environment for lots of innovation, but it's also good at like pushing that innovation away sometimes. <laughs> um, so I, I'm talking about two different things, but like one, um, we can talk a lot about why Vancouver and BC and Canada is creating an environment for new ideas. And one of those new ideas has been Web3 and Web3 is kind of a global thing now. And a lot of it's coming from Vancouver and and Canada. Um, The other thing we could talk about is like, are we at risk of not kind of benefiting from that? And is that just going to go down in the US? So so why do you think things have happened here? Like I had Deet Shirley on the podcast. He invented the term NFT and he wrote ERC721, which is where most yeah. NFTs are, are hosted, right? And, and he's brilliant and, and very intelligent and a visionary, right? Who created a lot of what we're talking about today. So why why did that happen here? What What is it about this place that's special for all of the, and there's so many examples of this. We're only talking about just a couple, but there's so many examples of this. Why has that happened here? I think, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, like, I love Canada. And I think Canada is just, like, such a great country for so many different reasons. But I think one of the things that... Um, I think I think being in Canada and, and having a lot of uh, diversity and um, b- an environment that feels safe, it's mm-hmm. like I think that's all like uh, creates an environment for ideas, right? Yeah. And I also think like us being in, in now specifically in BC and being north of California, I think we're kind of geared into like thinking about tech and like I- innovating in, in 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 technology, and I think we've had enough now of stories like like Hootsuite and even like Shopify and, and these types of things that it's in it, it's kind of mobilized an army of innovators around like creating ideas. So I, here's what I think, and this is a perfect thing happening here where there's a, enough history of people being successful at this that has motivated people to, to believe that they could do it too. Right. I think we're in an environment where the like the infrastructure is quite strong and the government's stable and all these things. Um, and I also think this might be a bit of a counter thing or a, a bit of a surprise to you um, is I also think the rain helps, right? I know, I know, I know. So like, so, so hear me out on this. So the summer comes, we're all like in nature, we're all hiking, we're all doing stuff. Right. And we're probably like in that time, very similar to like a lot of like my parents from South America, a lot of South American countries were like, we're out at the beach, we're out doing stuff outside not a ton of innovating right but lots of ideas <laughs> right right and then and then the fall comes and it's like raining every day so yeah. now we're in this unique position to be like all those ideas we thought about we can now we, do what's that we might as well do them because like we can't go anywhere i feel like right? your perspective on Vancouver weather is a little <laughs> pessimistic yeah <laughs> but you get what i mean I, I, I feel like we're in a perfect environment where like the environment's safe and secure there's lots of opportunity for innovation then we have like nature like gives us this really great perspective on life. Yeah. And then we find we, we have to end up hibernating for like a long period of time and we just work. I think it's yeah. also interesting we have um we have a new mayor in Vancouver and um and he's pro crypto, which yeah. I think is gonna be really helpful for the city as well. Um so how do we screw it up? <laughs> you know it's it's something that I, I'm actually really worried about because I, I think that, you know, there's different permutations from here and there's a permutation where uh we like really rise up to it and we have this like robust ecosystem of so many like cool companies and we have like the next big big tech companies out of vancouver 
Um, so that's the permutation that obviously I want to see kind of put forward. Um, I think there's a, a balance of regulations that will, uh, if it's used too much one way or too much the other way, it's going to um, not have that kind of come to life. Mm. Um, I actually think, I used to think if we regulate, um, we're going to push everything down to the US. And then I've actually come to see that some regulation actually promotes innovation mm. because it gives people a clear pathway of like, oh, I understand what the rules are and I understand how right. to do it. So I think it's the whole like Goldilocks thing. I think if, if we get the right a degree of regulation, um, we will be in an environment where lots of companies will flourish here and kind of build off the, um, the, 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 the traction that's already happened because we, you know, we have Dapper and we have all these other companies here. Um, I do think that's a hard thing to get right. I think that if we overregulate, people are going to just go to other places where there's less regulation. And if we underregulate, um, I think it's going to cause us to go slower because people are just unsure of kind of the landscape. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's because business doesn't like, the unknown, right? right? And so if people don't know, like if businesses are thinking, well, if I create an NFT project and it becomes a security, now I'm going to prison because I was flocking a security illegally yeah, yeah. or something. And obviously that's a scary situation to be in. And if that's what people are thinking, then they are, they're certainly going to shy away from doing that. And so, yeah, there is some type of uh, kind of equalizing factor where people can have a pathway forward. That's super important. Yeah. yeah. It's a tough balance that the regulators and the government and everyone's going to have to try to t- try to strike, but I'm we, sure, and I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they won't strike it well. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> um, but man, it's it's worth really trying to get it right yeah. because we are right now in a position where uh, Vancouver could be um, like the next big hub for technology success stories and and job creation and all these things. Um, yeah, I just I'd, I'd hate to see us um, not 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 fulfill our potential that way. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. Let's let's see to it. Okay, let's wrap things up here with just one one other question. Um, why should schools be teaching this stuff or talking about this? And and I guess we could talk about like I mean high schools, universities, whatever. Why is this important to the students of these schools? I mean, I don't know how many cycles we have to go through where the things we teach at schools are lagging behind the things right it's like how many times do we have to do this now we're teaching coding yes right it's like finally but what's going to happen now is like by the time these kids are done you're going to be able to using like ai and open ai to to write the code for you right um i think that it's pretty clear um that ai is going to play a big role in the future i think it's pretty clear that uh, blockchain and web3 technologies will play a a, a big role in the future so I, i think schools have to like I think, and I, like, I don't, I don't blame them because it's obviously a hard, a hard thing to do to create curriculums and all this stuff. But I, I do think the world moves way faster now, and um, I do think that if you're seeing these things come to life, uh, or or they're obviously in the future, we got to start teaching the kids now. Yeah. Um, but but you would know more about this. Like, like like I'm curious to what your perspective is. Like, do you think we're adapt? I guess one. Do you think AI and blockchain are going to be that important in the future? And if they are, are the schools adapting fast enough? Well, I think that, yes, is super important. Uh, absolutely. But no, the schools aren't. And uh, there is a, um, I, think, I think the way that schools are designed is not, is not in a way to encourage this type of education. Um, and so I think what's important is that at this point, 
there isn't really a pathway forward for schools to start teaching this kind of stuff in any meaningful way fast enough. So students have to look elsewhere. Yeah, they got to. So well, that's why people learn about crypto on YouTube because it's like the only place they can learn stuff, yeah. right? Um, and that's why I'm creating courses that people can take so that they can learn this kind of stuff. Hopefully, from like a reasonably trustworthy source, not just some YouTuber who's shilling tokens, right? <laughs> um, which is kind of the standard way to learn this to learn this stuff at this point. And so I, th I think the challenge is it's like, there's always a fear. When I started teaching social media marketing 10 years ago, it was like risky, right? But it was clear it was here. Right, and then that's my point is like, I, that's when they should have been big into it. It, 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 it. it doesn't take like a really intelligent person to like spend some time to realize, okay, obviously these two technologies are going to play a big role. Yeah. So therefore I start teaching them now. What I think will happen is like the same cycle. It always happens is like, you know, it'll take too long. And by the time they start teaching it, yeah. um, others will have reacted way faster. Yeah. So, so I think uh, another part of this is, um, you know, it's, it's hard to teach new things because it's a lot of work because it changes so quickly. So mm -hmm. it's hard for teachers or professors to teach this kind of stuff. Um, it's also to find it's hard to find people who are who are educated and also who know the technology to be able to teach it like they know how to teach and they know the technology. Yeah. So, you know, there's some there's some limitations here. But what I saw, you know, 10 years ago is when students took a social media class, they could learn a bit about social media, a small amount, and they would go into industry with a degree in whatever one social media course and get a job as a social media manager because they knew Huge. way more than anybody. Yeah. But they knew a tiny bit that that competitive advantages is long gone. Everybody knows about social media now yeah. and it's easy to learn. But that same competitive advantage is what I see in Web3 right now. You know right. a little bit about Web3? Like you understand decentralization to its smallest degree. Yeah. You can now go to a Web3 company and be like, I'm a HR manager or I am an accountant. I want to work for you or whatever. I'm a marketer. Like, And just having a little bit of understanding is more than almost anybody. And it's a huge competitive advantage from an employment perspective. Yeah, like I feel like, I feel like school should do kind of like what Google was doing with like those like flex days or whatever it's like we should take okay we'll teach our kids four out of the five days they're in school like pure curriculum yeah but that fifth day we should be able to throw just like them in like ai for a few months blockchain for a few months like, like we wouldn't be really pulling them away from anything and and yeah because they don't need to come out with like a full degree in this stuff right if they come out with just a little bit yeah. and enough knowledge to one get themselves curious to where they'll go and learn themselves yeah and two it gives them such a, a like a like a leg up when they go for employment because now it's like hey i'm not an expert but i know a lot more than you do so yeah. they'll get hired i think um you and i may have just decided we're starting our own school yeah there you go <laughs> yeah it's like four days a week we're gonna just shoot it down the middle and teach and teach your kids you're gonna learn we, algebra algebra and then that fifth day don't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. Yeah. I think this is this is a really super helpful and interesting conversation. I appreciate um, the time that you've taken to to be with us. It's great to learn a little bit more about um, you know how NFTs can play a real role in onboarding more people into Web three. So, Matthias, appreciate your time. Thanks for being with me. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Jared.